Welcome to Swedenborg and Life. I'm today we're going to be talking about what happened after Noah got drunk. And it's not like we're trying to be cool, like let's make up this flip little thing. This is exactly out of the text of the Bible. What's it doing in there? Can is this a biblical story about Noah getting drunk? Yeah, man, it's like a biblical Weird. story you can't read in front of the kids. And is there something in there that not just like we can, okay, we can sort out that mess, but can we get something like seriously valuable for human Actual life? Actual not just sort of unplug the problem, but... Yeah. Okay. That's right. If you're wondering, who are these two people mulling over this? My name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host. This is the man known only as Dr. Jonathan Rose. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> Series editor of the New Century Edition. Like and subscribe if you've been enjoying our show. It's important to our program. And while you're watching, we're about to get to this Noah Drunk thing, but we want you to be getting your elevator pitch ideas. What that is going to be is we want you to suggest a topic or an aspect of Swedenborg's worldview that you'd like to see us try to explain in one minute with absolutely no preparation. I mean, the show we're doing here, we've had time to think it through, but that you're really going to see us on the spot. Mm. Ah, so what, what's on your mind? What would you love to see something succinct about, and what would you like to see people uh, be very uncomfortable trying to explain <laughs> on the fly? That's all coming up. So what we're doing today traces its origin back to an episode of Spiritual Questions Answered. That we, you know, aired like three months ago. And That's right, three in months ago. that show, our friend Tacitus asked this question. One of the most mysterious passages in the Bible are the verses about Noah being drunk, Ham doing something to him, and Ham's son being cursed. Any thoughts? Mm. Yeah, we do have thoughts. It's a great question, and it's something that you've got to address if people are going to say, oh, the Bible is cool, and Swedenborg's going to go on and on about how great the Bible is. What is this weird stuff in it, and how is this any kind of divine revelation-ish thing. Hmm. That's a big topic. To start us thinking in that direction, let's take a look at our relevant icebreaker question. So what we want to do is warm up our vocal cords, but also get ourselves into the state of mind where we're going from external everyday concerns okay. into, we're starting to think about ethics and that other people exist and our internal subtle experiences, okay. and start priming us for the content yeah. ahead. So the question that we are going to answer, and we want all of you to answer, if you're in the chat room, write your answers down at the end of the show. We'll be compiling them and then showing them on the screen for the world to see, because we'd love to know how does this strike each individual person's mind and heart in different ways. Here's the question. When harsh, judgmental thoughts pop into the mind, what can help to diffuse them? Mm. I don't know if you've ever had anything like that happen, but... Do, do people experience that? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do we do about it? It's, a, it's an inescapable fact of life. Are there tools uh, uh, that you see? And I kind of like the word pop in there because they sort of do that, don't they? They just... You yeah. see somebody and, and it just goes idiot in your head, or something, <laughs> right? It's terrible, but, yeah. but it happens all the time where you just, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. It's did, just when, some you, when you were walking down to the desk here, you even muttered it under your breath. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Uh. But, yeah, what do you do when those thoughts pop into your mind? Well, it always takes some spiritual work. It's not like necessarily instant for me that I'm able to deal with them. It takes a little while to realize, oh, I'm having these thoughts. These thoughts are unkind. Because there's almost a certain delight that can come with them sometimes yeah. of feeling superior or judgmental or something yeah. like that. But um, <clears throat> I certainly find if I can put myself in the other person's shoes or think about situations in my own life where I've been really glad, you know, where I've made some 
public blunder or something and then people were kind of forgiving about it or something and you think wow that's so nice when you know so put myself in the other person's right. shoes to think about well I, I wouldn't want I mean maybe they have no idea or something and they, uh, you know so compassion and trying to trade places is, is something I try. Yeah I, that's great I find that often when I'm having those kind of thoughts or entertaining them I have without realizing it an inflated picture of my own flawlessness that I, yes, exactly that right. I'm sort of thinking like although this person's <laughs> weird they look weird but you sort of without even without even being conscious of it you're thinking of yourself as just this not looking weird per, yeah, like a, but but so just thinking about myself for a minute usually I'm like oh no wait this, these are all the, the the things that gives you a more realistic picture and for, and for some reason that does diffuse this this sort of soapbox that you can get on in whatever way because you realize, oh, well, I have that and I'm not bad and I would want someone to think about me in this way. Exactly, right, right. It kind right, of dissipates exactly, it a little right. bit. Um, so I just think that's a fascinating aspect of it. So we want to know, what do you guys do? And yeah, this is going to be relevant to the discussion about Noah getting drunk. How? Hmm. Well. Doesn't seem like it could possibly be. Well, Does we're going to, let's, I, probably not, but we'll see if we can't pull something out. Okay. We're going to move now. We've got this problem to solve. What happened after Noah got drunk? Why is that relevant to life? Why is it in the Bible? Why do we like the Bible? Let's begin with the setup. We've got to start by proving that this story is really in there. Because you may be saying, I don't know what you're talking I about. I don't remember that. And let's give some details. This is actually, mm. the, this story is so famous that there are paintings. Of yeah, it, as evidenced here. Yeah, we can talk about this in a bit when we get the text up there. This is Genesis mm. 9, verse 20 is where we begin. And Noah started... Oh, do you want to read this one? Sure, happy to. Yeah. And Noah started as a man of the soil. This is after the flood story, if, if people remember that there's a flood in Genesis. Yeah. And Noah saved his family and all these animals. You know, they went two by two and seven you by seven. You may have heard of the ark. And all the, the Noah's ark and everything. And it landed afterwards, and, and now life is getting going again. Yeah. And so Noah's a hero. He's oh, just great. He's and it says, man. Noah started as a man of the soil and planted. He hadn't been in the soil. He'd been in a boat for a long time and planted a vineyard. And he drank some wine, you know, product of the vineyard, and became drunk and was uncovered in the middle of his tent, which obviously means he took his clothes off or something, yeah. like he got so drunk that, that he was kind of uninhibited or something. And Ham, now Ham, Noah had these three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So this is his middle son, mm -hmm. and he's the father of Canaan among other children. He has other children. So Canaan was actually his fourth child. Okay. Ham, father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and pointed it out to his two brothers outside. So here we are in this picture where you see there's Ham pointing it out, yeah. but the other two brothers are like, no. And here's what they do. And Shem and Japheth, in other words, the oldest and the youngest son, yep. took a garment and both of them put it on their shoulder uh, and went backward and covered their father's nakedness. And their faces were backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. And Noah woke up from his wine 
and realized what his younger son had done to him. Now, technically, it was his middle son, but yeah. sure, younger than yeah. the oldest yep. or something, you know. And he said, a curse on Canaan, a slave of slaves will he be to his brothers. Okay. So here you see that depicted, and you see that these two brothers are facing away, and they have this garment over their shoulders like this, and they're backing up. Yeah. We've got some, there's some problems with this story, I feel like. I mean, it was a good telling on your, on your end, but I think there's a couple of um, immediate uh, logical and ethical problems that we have with this. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's nice the two of the brothers sort of were compassionate and, yeah. and, and covered dad up kind of thing when he was not in a good state or something like that. But there's, there are several problems. Like, yeah. okay, was Noah so righteous that he could stand on his high horse and give a curse right. to the person who he felt didn't treat him right? And didn't, and didn't treat him right in such, uh, there's such a, it's own ambiguous sort of gray area because Noah, obviously, if you're getting like blackout drunk and you're naked in the middle of the house and people... You sort of got it coming, don't is you? Is it that big? So just the fact that he could just get up and be like, I'm not examining my own behavior at all. I'm going to curse not him, not the guy who did it. Who does he curse? Well... If memory serves, he cursed Canaan, who is Ham's son, who wasn't even in the room. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Why am I getting cursed? I mean, it turns out Noah has like sixteen grandsons. Yeah. And like Canaan's number nine. Like, yeah. like why? Why? It 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 makes it's it's really offensive, in a way, to the to the mind and the heart. To, to something rebels at the thought that someone else is cursed for something you did. And yeah. also, curses back then. I mean, now we might think cursing is just saying a bad word or something sure. like that. But in biblical times, in ancient times, a curse was like, you, you, you couldn't get out from under that thing, you know? It's like this permanent burden of this curse on your kid for this momentary thing that was really mostly your fault. Yeah. And he just reacted kind of naturally to it. So yeah. it's, it, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. And another little tiny problem, but it just seems kind of um, funny. Uh, two strapping young men. Okay, you got two, two strapping young men. Yeah. Uh, can carry a lot on their shoulders, right? Yeah. A steel I-beam, I don't know, right. or, a, or a telephone pole or something, a caber in the caber toss or something. I don't know, just like you could carry a lot, right? Uh, a garment is not that heavy. And it's almost like I had this silly thought today thinking about the show that it might, if it was written in the fine print on the back of the garment, yeah. it says, oh, if you're covering up someone who's naked, best way to do that is to face them directly so you can see where they are, yeah. hold it out with your hands, and then wrap, wrap, wrap it around them. Yeah. It, like backing it up with, with, you don't even know exactly where he is. It's just a weird way Okay, this story is weird. I mean, it's nice yeah. what they did, but like so weird. There's so many weird aspects in it. And yet the, the claim is that this is God giving a message to us that makes life better and connects heaven to earth. So how could that possibly be? I think like is the lesson, if you get drunk and your kid makes fun of you, curse his kid. Is yeah. that the takeaway? Yeah, well, I tried that and it just wasn't satisfying. So let's see what Swedenborg has to okay. say about the correspondences that make this a valuable tool. First of all, we want to begin... It's, I don't see how we're going to get there from here. <laughs> ...talking about curses. 
And Swedenborg asserts that the Lord never curses anyone. He doesn't even get angry. It is we instead who curse ourselves by turning our backs on the Lord. And it's interesting imagery there of turning your backs on, because yeah. these two guys did a good thing by turning their back right. on Noah when he was drunk. And yet, it said earlier in the biblical story, Noah was a person of righteousness. He was perfect. He yeah. walked with God and all. That's why he was chosen, and that's why he went forward. So what's, how, how did he become the bad guy all of a sudden? Yeah. You know? And almost like he's sort of like a God figure in this story as the patriarch, but why is he doling out curses? So already kind we're seeing... Kind of save the human race. In right, a way. right, right. So... We've got this thing, curses, it can't be as straightforward as that. And really, mm. the only way you can come out of something like this is to understand the correspondence of the characters. That each of these, these are not, don't think of them just as people and what would it mean to have a person get, receive a certain effect in the situation. These are all parts, uh, these are all playing parts that have to do with the way human beings process religion or uh, mindsets or how we respond to ideas. And we're just going to lay it out for you piece by piece right here. So, Swedenborg asserts all throughout Secrets of Heaven, you can go in there and read the numbers if you'd like, we'll be reading some in just a little bit, that Noah being drunk is a correspondence to anyone who's having made a mistake, particularly a mistake based on intellectual uh, miscues. Yes, that's right. Er erroneous thinking yeah. is because the wine has something to do with thinking and stuff. So, so Ham, his thinking was not right. Ham, who is the one who points it all out, is faith separated from goodwill. So a belief system separate from love. A judgmental, yes, that's right. religious mindset. And so you can see that in this context of religion, but it also applies in all sorts of different areas. Yeah. One thing is to know this academic field. Another yeah. is to be a decent person to other people who are in that field, or whatever. You know, it does, it, it, the same, same thing fits various different Certainly. circumstances. Canaan, who got cursed, is external religious practices separated from goodwill. So not just the belief system behind it, but what you actually do uh, from, a, from some kind of intellectual construct when you don't care about the but people. But there's a kind of superiority, or yeah. it's, it's not compassionate, it's not loving. Shem and right. Japheth, though, who do the right thing, Shem is faith united with goodwill. Oh, and you see how he sort of is the opposite of Ham yeah. there. And then right. Japheth, external religious practices or whatever kind of uh, good actions united with good will. And so you see that Canaan and Japheth are paired. And it took me a long time to get used to Swedenborg's idea that the people in the Bible, I just, they just seem like people. Yeah. It's a family situation. Dad's yeah. drunk, the sons do this and that. You know, it's like, it's hard to think of them as being mindsets. Yeah. Or whole groups of people who have a certain mindset. Yeah. There's an interesting little feature earlier in the story that says that Shem, Ham, and Japheth populated the whole earth. And what Swedenborg says that means, earth there means all different kinds of religious attitudes. Yeah. And so it's basically saying like in all religions of every different kind, you got basically three kinds of people in there. You got Shem people, you got Ham people, and you got Japheth people, you yeah. know? And Shem people are people who have this inner love and compassion. Japheth are just good. They, they treat you well, whether they have a whole lot going on internally or whatever, yeah. you know, they treat you well. But Ham are the ones who are sort of like, hey, these are the rules, this is cognitive, it's all about this thought structure and everything. And those, those are basically the three flavors that you come in. So that, and that's the power of 
the Swedenborg correspondence's explanation. Sure, we can show that screen to you and you can say, oh, you just made those up, that's nothing. But you've got a problem with this story. We, li we lined up where we, we explained why there are issues with the way <laughs> the story plays out. Those may seem like bizarre abstract labels, but when you slap them on the people and then look at the arc of the story, suddenly everything clicks and you're seeing potent psychological mm. insight. It's, it's like we wish it was a Bronze Age story <laughs> and not about us, you know, because it, it pretty quickly hits home when you start to understand what it's talking about. And a lot of people will take Swedenborg's correspondences that are, that are describing large groups of people and apply those all to different parts inside of us because, yeah. as Swedenborg says, there are sort of different spiritual influences coming Absolutely. at us. Absolutely, yeah, so he supports that. Yeah, 100%. And we yeah. have we had this cool clip from our friend Chuck Blair, who runs a Swedenborg-based church service, and he's actually talking about this very same story and has a cool way of looking at the different characters as parts of our own reaction to people. See if you can match up who's who. Yeah, so here's yeah. what he said. Maybe this, maybe this. Maybe we're not responsible for our first thought. Maybe what we are responsible for is our second thought and our first action. How many of us have just 500 million crazy thoughts a day? And you better all, I can't see you, but you better be raising your hand. I, I have crazy, crazy thoughts. Like just nutty, 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 nutty thoughts. All the, yeah, like I, I walk into Wawa and I'm instantly judging people, you know, in terms of how they get their coffee. Like a guy dared to use three straws today and I was upset. Really, Chuck? <laughs> Holy cow. And I, there's even crazier ones, right? See, I don't think we're responsible for first thought. I think, you know, we live with the spirit close to us, and sometimes just crazy spirit thoughts come through us, and it's just crazy stuff. But then can I choose? Can I choose a second thought? And can I choose a first action? So there he's making a very practical tool out of seeing ham as the first thought, which, like he mentioned, according to Swedenborg, would just be, that could come from anywhere spiritually. You don't, you don't know the quality of it. You don't got to own mm. it. But Shem and Japheth being sort of then us, do we take it a sec, second thought and first action? Do we take it into our will and turn it into some kind of use? And I, I notice in the story, it's interesting that ham is the first one who picked up that, that Noah was drunk. You know, he's, he's kind of sharp that way. Yeah. You know, like they're quick out of the <laughs> starting gate, <laughs> right? And yeah. so that first thought is like, zap, you know, right. judgment or something. But you, it's then like when you, okay, let's think about this a little more and let's not take action until we yeah. get to that second thought yeah. and act on that. And that's Shem and Japha. Sharp, but also when you, st when you do slow down and examine them, totally irrational. Like, like Chuck was saying there, Oh, this, look oh. at this guy. He doesn't need to use three straws. But then when you step back, it's like, why do you care? You know, th this yeah. is absolutely And, and who's not, insane in this yeah. picture? The person who's using three straws or the person who's sitting there going, oh, I can't believe you're using three straws. If you want to see the rest of that clip, here's a link uh, to the, the video we got that from. Now we're going to go deep. Now we've got our little pieces set out. We're going to go deep into three uh, statements Swedenborg makes about the application of the internal sense and uh. what that can teach us about ourselves. It's time to get these ideas, plant them in your mind in a section we like to call Three Seeds. I want to look first at 
the correspondence of Ham's actions. Because Ham, That's remember... That kind of starts the story, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Most striking thing, this is the guy saying, look at this, this guy is drunk and I've got to tell you all about it. What could that mean? How does it apply? So this is from Secrets of Heaven. People who adopt faith separated from charity are depicted here by Ham. And the notice he took of his father's nakedness, that is, of his father's errors and perversions. So we've already got people with faith separated from charity. So these will be religious people who don't right. care how you feel. <laughs> That's right. And it could also extend to just anybody who has a knowledge base or something, but there's no compassion or service of others. That's in there. So, you know, yes. it's just a feeling of superiority or something that it goes with. Isn't it almost a cliche to say, to save my relationship, I had to decide which was more important, being kind or being right? Yeah, that, that's right. That not caring about the, the circumstances or what your effect on the person, but just knowing, wait, you aren't right, so I can go after you. This would be faith separated ha from Ham is Ham is right. Ham is yeah. kind. <laughs> Have you ever met Ham? Have you ever been Ham? Those are the only things that people like this can see in another individual, meaning their flaws. It's all you see. The fact that Ham pointed it out to his two brothers means that they sneered at others' errors and perversions now follows logically, since people devoid of charity always feel contempt for others. Yes, the they there doesn't mean the two brothers. It means people like this who have that judgmental attitude. And so there's always this, this kind of atmosphere of contempt yeah. Of like looking to, oh, yeah, I despise that. Look, look at this. The person's being that way. Sort of like tattletaling world. In mm. other words, they always mock others and broadcast the faults of others whenever they find an opportunity. Yeah, he didn't sort of sit on the information. He went right to the brothers and yeah. broadcast it. If they do so discreetly, it's only superficial restraints that impede them. You don't want to. Because they would love to blab yeah. if they thought they could get it. You don't want to be known as a gossip or something. As a result, they nourish these impulses deep down while putting on an outward show of friendship. And you, oh, that's kind of slimy. You know it? you can you could be around people that, well, I, I, I've been in social situations where, you know, there's been a person and they leave the group and then some people in that group start talking smack <laughs> about that person. <laughs> and, then I, and then I say to myself, what are they saying about me when yeah, I'm not when here? when I leave, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, but and it's, it's weird because neither of us ever leave the desk. So like, if one of us did, what would the other one say? You know? Ooh, that's unsettling. Just, ah, man, hey, if you donate right now, you can get that going. <laughs> uh, so in doing, and look, but look at the spiritual consequences. So we describe something that we know happens psychologically. What does that do spiritually? In mm. doing so, they acquire two auras, which are clearly perceived in the other world. Two auras, that's weird. I think of people just having one aura or something. You know. Aura being... Two auras yeah. at the same time, I guess, right? Swedenborg does assert that spiritually there's kind of like an emanation, almost like an odor of who you are, but these people have this dual kind of mm. layer. One, the inner one, is full of hatred. The other, mm. the outer one, mimics goodness. Because these auras are at complete odds with one another, they cannot help clashing. And the consequence is that when such people are stripped of their external aura and can no longer pretend... That's right. It's an honest world after death, and the, that ability to pretend goes away. They then hurl themselves into every unspeakable wickedness. And I just want to say mm. that one of the most striking things about this is the linking of um, uh, cr looking for things to criticize in people as with hellishness or with wickedness because yeah, isn't this sort really of the interesting isn't this sort of the eternal debate of 
you, you'll come across people who are very morality focused. It could be religious. It could be yep. that you're you're trying to be in uh, legally. That you're just oh, on the side of right, on the side of right, and, and criticizing other people. And then the scandal comes out, and turns out they were deeply involved in the very thing that they were crusading against. Doesn't that often happen? And isn't it? Don't people, religious people, uh, a lot of the time get a bad rap for being really nosy and judgmental? And it's so interesting because you will get some schools of thought that think, well, you've got to you know, point out, and, and that's part of righteousness is to judge that. But the Swedenborg is saying that the nature of having no charity is to lo- that looking for faults in others is not an angelic pastime. That's not the way the angels do it. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's such an amazing um, kind of thought because uh, when I have those kind of thoughts, usually the way they present themselves in my mind is just that this is funny. Yeah. This is a joke. I'll say this. Yeah. Like the friends who talk smack after the friend leaves or something like that. I thought of something funny. Zing. Like, yeah. You know, or something. It'll say, it'll present itself as, I'm, I'm funny. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a funny thought. Yeah. Not, this is wickedness from hell. You know, it doesn't usually <laughs> present as, yeah. you know, th- this is tearing somebody down. And it's taken me, I still struggle with it. It's like uh, that sarcasm or stuff like that. Like, no, that's got a dark, that's a dark underbelly to it, yeah. you know? Yeah, one well, just there's just the automatic impulse to, uh, you know, I, I was hearing this cool, um, uh, and it was uh, some podcast. I think it was This American Life or something, where this guy put a tattle phone in a classroom, like where little kids, like preschool age kids, could. It, when they wanted to tattle on someone, because that's like what they really want to do, they pick up the phone and, and, and ta- tell into it, and it was just, it just like part of the <laughs> impulse. What a funny idea. So that, and kids, it's whatever, it's just part of how they relate. But as you get older, the, as soon as you learn a structure or have any kind of good fortune, you immediately, it's just this impulse to pick out how other people are feeling that. And even sometimes it's like, oh, you haven't done it morally, or if you're like, you don't know how to handle this kind of information like I do or something, there's just always oh, this impulse to do that. And it's that desperate feeling of superiority or something you know, like yeah. clutching, clinging to that. But it's, it's unless you have a principle like this to, to be able to label it as something I need to oust for myself, you can just say very comfortable saying, well, it's true. Like, it's just true. I mean, wouldn't Ham be able to say that? Noah was drunk. Yeah. He was unclothed. I didn't, I didn't take his clothes off. I didn't, make him, I didn't make him drink. Isn't that just sort of the bully mindset? Like you're saying... Well, mm. this is funny and it's true. Like, I can't help if it, the truth hurts. Like, this is just, <laughs> right. you see this, it's infuriating. You see this where people will say, well, I, yeah, sure, I, I did, I, you know, said these things that were hurtful to people, but they're true. I'm just, it's just free speech. I'm just saying the truth, you know? Yeah, and part of what Swedenborg's saying is that Ham is missing part of the truth. He's right about the drunkenness. He's right about the nakedness. That's right. But he's missing good qualities in Noah yeah. that he's not even thinking about because he doesn't have that kind of compassion in his heart. So he doesn't see it in his father either. Yep. And if we look at these other passages from Swedenborg's works, we can see what Shem and Ham, oh, uh, yeah. Shem and Japheth, I mean. Let's well, do what that. about what they do? Should we look at that? Yeah, this is Secrets of Heaven again. But it is different. Swedenborg says, for people who have the faith that comes of charity. And there's an important little technical point in there that he actually, people used to think that, well, if you have faith, then good works will come from that faith. But he said, no, it works the other way around. 
if you have charity, then you really develop faith because faith is an extension yeah. of your of your goodwill, of your good charity, regard and compassion. Wh what's others. charity? That's and so charity would it's the same as kindness or thinking of others, yeah. selflessness, or, or various different words. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the compassion and those sorts of things. So people who have a type of faith that doesn't come from a coldly critical or self-centered stance, but a loving, compassionate stance, they take notice of good qualities, things that, that Ham didn't see in his father. Whatever evil, and this is astounding to me, yeah. whatever evil or falsity they may see, they excuse it. Oh, probably didn't mean, or like, like I, I know, yeah, that's a childhood thing or whatever. They figure out some way around it. And if they can, they work to correct it in the offender. But pause there, because that's a very, that's sort of a complex dynamic. Because it is. you have both this school of thought saying, well, you can't just enable people. Right. And here you see that, that you're excusing it, that you're, you're forgiving the motive, but also at the same time, if you can fix it, you're doing it. If there's some way to help them get around that, yeah. which might involve some honesty or something like that, but it would be lovingly done, yeah. not just sort of laughing at them and telling other people, right. but going to the person themselves and saying, let's get you taken care of here, you know. Yeah. And so if they can, they work to correct it in the offender, as the present passage says Shem and Japheth did. Shem, as noted, symbolizes the inner church and various different kinds of internal compassion, really deeply yeah. heartfelt uh, love. Japheth, the corresponding outer church, which is code for being uh, doing good actions on the outside, you know, yeah. treating people well. So well, Japheth is treat people well, Shem is have a good heart yeah. toward them. Kind because of. The, and those both exist inside you. The church is something in your heart and mind, so you've got sort of your, your deepest inmost principles and then how you live those principles. That's right. And so I love what this says here. They took a garment means that they put a good interpretation on the situation, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And garment has to do with your truth or your understanding or the way that you see things. So it's very meaningful that it was a garment, yeah. not a blanket or you yeah. know, something else. Uh, it was a garment because that was a thought process that they had of say, I'll put a good interpretation on this. And listen to this. And both of them put it on their shoulder. See, a garment's not that heavy. Yeah. It's not as heavy as an I-beam or something. You don't need two strapping young men to put yeah. a piece of cloth. On. It's not like, hey, are you picking up a shirt? Yeah. Hey, lift from your thighs and yeah. not your back. You That's know? right. Yeah, take, One, take it easy two, there. Three. Don't do that too, too much. You'll strain yourself. And no, garments are not that heavy. Uh, so why did they put it on their shoulder? That's because the meaning of shoulder, all your strength is here in your shoulder. It means that they did so with all their might. And this is very meaningful to me because carrying a piece of cloth, not hard. Yeah. Putting a good interpretation on somebody who's kind of acting out. Yeah. Supremely difficult. <laughs> Impossible. Right? <laughs> Supreme degree yep. of difficulty, extremely high. Yep. You're going to have to put your whole shoulder, both your shoulder, both of you, into it hard yeah. to put a good interpretation on. I love that. To me, that's a key to the story. When when somebody's doing something that is annoying you or angering you or somehow invading your territory, to to say like, 
um, you know, of course, w when appropriate, they, they probably don't realize exactly what they're doing. Right. I'm going to give them As the benefit of the doubt. As Jesus did on the cross kind of thing, which is amazing, right? That is... How hard was that for him? Oh, it was probably hard. Very difficult. I don't think it came easy. T degree of difficulty, 10 of 10. Yeah, that's right. And went backwards. I like this because this is the way that they're facing. Means that they paid no attention to errors and perversions. I, I don't know what they were looking at, but they looked at something else. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, there's this nice sunset going on or something like that, right? And covered their father's nakedness means that in doing so, they excused those wrongs and their faces were backward and they did not see their father's nakedness means not just that they didn't happen to notice or something, but it means that this is the proper thing to do. Here's the sort of teaching mm -hmm. moment, right? This is the proper thing to do. And that we... Swedenborg shifts the voice of it here. We should not concentrate on such wrongs, which are blunders and downfalls resulting from misguided thinking. Yeah, if your thinking's not right, no wonder you, you misstep now and then. Yeah. But, uh, but don't concentrate on that and make a laughing stock out of it and feel superior or something. Really, really fight. It was hard what the other brothers yeah. did. It was probably tempting, to, you know, but they put their shoulder into it and they really worked hard. Well, this is interesting that he's placing such an emphasis on this being a part of uh, heavenly action or spiritual growth or regeneration. Because you could think what's important is the truth and the things you have to do to get ahead in, uh, on your spiritual path or whatever it is, or the, doing the things that reduce the overall suffering for the human race. Whether or not we laugh at people for their mistakes is not, it's not really a part of it. It's about the progression it's of the right ideas. Yeah. But here he's saying that this is, this is essential. Yeah. And uh, the, the fascinating point that he makes multiple times that hell is always looking to pick out and criticize evil whereas heaven is looking to excuse it, which you would think it would be the opposite, because hell would be saying, that's okay if you're evil, keep oh, being yeah. evil. Yeah, keep, we, keep going, good, we, good you, on you. The, yeah. Hey, we don't judge you for that, and angels would say, <laughs> you are not hey, In the light of truth, of you're falling fear. short here, you know. And, but say. that's not how it is at all. And no. the last line is a little bit of a twist in there that arises from misguided thinking, which seems to me like you would compare and contrast that with uh, falsities and errors that are from evil. Swedenborg makes this distinction of yes, falsity right. not from evil and falsity yeah. from evil. So That's it could right. be that you This was a good guy right. who just went a little wrong in his thinking, which everybody's able to do. Like, yeah. I, oh no, I, I misunderstood, you know? So yeah. I ended up over here and I was a little out of whack with my, you know, like my thinking got off track and I was sort of drunk in it. Because you could have, because it could be saying that somebody who is doing things in, intentionally to cause harm, that's a different case than somebody who thinks they're doing the right thing but doesn't know what the right thing is. Yeah, yeah, they just don't know. Everything, the whole world had just shifted. Yeah. Noah's lost everybody else who was in his world, right? Yeah. They all got destroyed by the flood. Yeah. He's starting over again. Well, the fact that he skids a little bit, like, uh, give him a break, you know? Let's look, a, to end here with our third seed, let's look a little more at this contrast between these two kind of mindsets that we're dealing with here. So this is, again, Secrets of Heaven. This is the part mm. in Secrets of Heaven where, you know, Swedenborg He's is actually looking through this very story. this very story in Genesis chapter 9. Yeah. Careful what you ask us, because <laughs> we might just have enough <laughs> material to do a whole show about it. That's right. As long as such people possess neighborly love and a conscience based on that love, mm. they have inside themselves, within their outward worship, a deeper form of worship. I think the word worship there means your whole kind of 
approach to life, right? Like your devotion and your, it's not just mean, did you file into church and did, you know, how did you do that or something, but yeah. your whole attitude. I remember a long ago when I was uh, making quote pictures for our Facebook page, Heaven and Hell, and one of them early ones was people who have love for others or something like that are constantly at prayer, if not that's with their right. mouth, then with their hearts. That that's right. That's living life is very much that. Ah. This is because the Lord is at work within them. Things are otherwise for those who have no love for others and therefore no conscience. Or no therefore s- no conscience. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Like love leads to conscience. Yeah. yeah. You, it's, conscience is not like I know uh, all the rules and which side you're on. Yeah. I know I shouldn't do that. Though it's actually caring and not wanting to hurt the people, right. They're able to engage in a show of worship, but it is disconnected from any inward content. To seem like a spiritual or a religious person or something like that. Sure. But there's nothing behind it. Oh, it's easy to do that. Just ask us. Just as their faith is disconnected from charity, this kind of worship is called Canaan. And this kind of faith is called Ham. And since a disconnected faith generates this kind of worship, Ham is called Canaan's father. <laughs> Swedenborg just blows my mind on a daily basis. Yeah. And so what he's saying is that if you have that kind of faith, it naturally leads to that kind of behavior meant by Canaan. You know, like yeah. that, that mindset often will lead to, so that's a son of, Canaan is a son of Ham. He, yeah. he comes from that. And that has to do with the cursing, doesn't it? Well, you, you said before, it just seems like it's a family drama. It is a family drama because the things we're talking about here, that kind of mindset leading to those kind of actions, they have a relationship yes. like a father and son yes, have, that one leads to the other, one influences mm. the other. The correspondence is complete. Yeah, and I'm thinking of the fact that in the Old Testament, although there's some places where it says, you know, visiting the iniquities on the third and fourth generation or something. Yeah. Uh, there's Ezekiel chapter 18, which is a really great chapter, really clearly lays out that if a person's bad and then they have a kid, that doesn't mean their kid is bad. The kid can <laughs> be good. And if that kid is good and then they have a kid and that kid is bad, like each person is, you know, it's their own thing. Everybody, your own salvation. It's not, it's not something that you're doomed for something your parents did yeah. or your kids do or which, something like which that. Which is obvious from a human rational perspective and seems to be in jeopardy in this story because... The story seems like it's not right. But when you understand the internal underpinnings of it, yeah. then you realize why. Because, because uh, Ham has to do with a thought. Like Pastor Chuck was saying... All kinds of things go through his head, but he's not acting that stuff out, you know. The, uh, when you have that, uh, Ham is not the one who gets cursed because he's that cognitive structure or something. Yeah. It's the action that results from it that's bad because yeah. it's always all about how you treat other people. Yeah. So it's Canaan who rightfully gets the curse. In, in, in real life with a real family, it would be all wrong. Yeah. But spiritually, it actually makes sense that it's Canaan and not, it's not just a scribal error or something. And it makes sense that Canaan's the one. If you remember back in the beginning, what did we say about cursing? It's not that it's that God doesn't do it, it's us turning away, which causes the curse. So if you have this loveless uh, mental structure right. around what you do, the actions that come from that are going to necessarily turn you away from love and charity, which turns you away from heaven. So that's what it means to get cursed. Mm. Telling you. Yes, and it's it, Canaan is a really kind of empty religious, uh, like go through the motions or yeah. spiritual or whatever it might be, yeah. but just phoning it in. There's, there's no love in it. There's, you know, 
there's just this feeling of superiority and you're just sort of shuffling through it, uh, but, yeah. but it's not. And interestingly, if you remember back to earlier in the show, the big curse on him was that Canaan should serve Shem and Japheth. Well, that's actually a good thing. Yeah. Like your actions should actually serve love and compassion and treating other people well, yeah. you know, which is what Shem and Japheth mean. Yeah. And so how bad of a curse is that? You know, it's actually good advice for how to turn this situation around is, hey, start treating people, even if you have ham kind of thoughts, why don't you treat them like yeah. Shem, Shem and Japheth? So with the whole thing, we move from a confusing story to good advice. Okay. So and it really hits home. I mean, it's so easy to dismiss the Bible uh, because of these bizarre Bronze Age stories that seem poorly edited and right. everything like that. And it's amazing to me how Swedenborg will give you a way of understanding it that ju just blows my mind. It's not like I understand every single thing he says yeah. about it, but somehow it becomes actionable in a good way. Or so, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. something I can apply to my life. I can think about Ham and Shem and Japheth when I'm going through my daily life, having those critical thoughts and stuff. And would actually want to apply and think it could lead to results. So yeah. we've been throwing a ton of ideas at you. Ideas, 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 ideas. Let's get more into... Where is the love? <laughs> yeah, where right? is the love? That's right. Yeah. Black Eyed Peas or something. I don't know. So let's do a little correspondence of meditation <laughs> where we kind of open our uh, hearts up a little bit to like, what, what, how can we get a little deeper uh, into the, the feeling side of it? <laughs> so how you play this game is tap into the way that everything we see, everything happening in the physical world is actually a representation of the spiritual principles behind things. So this stuff mm. that we're saying here, you can learn just by looking at life. And mm. Swedenborg talks about, we may have heard us talk about things like water corresponds to truth or mountain corresponds to love, but it's not just nature stuff. Actually, human beings correspond. Mm. Actually, the most succinct, tangible definition of a correspondence that I've ever heard Swedenborg give is where he says that a correspondence is a smile corresponds to happiness. Meaning, <laughs> right. like you can have right. happiness inside you. Like we all kind of know that, but yeah. And the, what shows up on the outer level is your, according to your mouth, go up. They don't have to be joined, but when they're joined, this is a visual representation of the feeling. So just like with that, gestures of kindness, let's like say you were feeling bad and I put my hand on your shoulder, that is a, ra a correspondence with the actual affection to help people. So we've got for you some pictures of people mm. gesturing kindly to people who need help. And these are people who seem like they've made mistakes. This is something mm. we all go through. You're gonna see images of people looking for the good in others, supporting mm. people as this goes through with all these ideas swirling around in your mind. Just see what comes to you and does this give you any kind of extra insight or connection to the, to the heart of the story.
And what I like about that piece of footage is we've sort of set up the ideal conditions for compassion because you've got nice music, you've got a person who obviously understands they did something wrong, and we've got no personal beef with this person. We haven't been hurt by them, so you can just see right in the first image I'm seeing, of, of course that's what it's like when you realize you've made a mistake and you're, you're just kind of folded inward and that mm. is the right situation to lift someone up. So, it, it, again, I'm trying to articulate it, but you can't because it's a feeling you get when you look at it. That's yeah. why we do this meditation. Right. And when you're in that, haven't we all been on either side of that thing? And so when you're on the receiving end, and you're having these bitter feelings or you made some terrible mistake or just going through a difficult, like an emotional breakdown or whatever yeah. it is. And when somebody is so compassionate to you, it's so meaningful because you don't expect, you expect judgment or harshness or something yeah. like that. And, and you may be feeling that way about yourself. You may be harshly judging yourself. And then this other person is coming to you with love. And how great to be that person, have an opportunity now and then just to reach out a kindly gesture like that yeah. and help somebody out. Well, and you mentioned yourself. You can apply this entire set to yourself mm. because... To yourself, you that's right. You think about often people, them, they get critical thoughts about other people, but most of their critical thoughts are reserved <laughs> for themselves. And Everybody else has a get in line, you know. Yeah, yeah the first 90 yeah. Don't insults are for myself. Me. Yeah, right. But if you think it all the way through with the way Swedenborg describes it, all that critical stuff, all that uh, faith devoid of love, that's all, that's hell's game. So hell yep. is, take, is putting that in your mind when you're looking at other people, but hell is also putting that in your mind when you're critiquing yourself, yourself. in a non-constructive way. And as such, you're not supposed to do what hell tells you. So really, to, to say, no, I'm going to forgive myself here, back over with that garment, yeah. that's legit to do that's as well. That's legit. You know, we, we, usually, you're not in a state where, oh, I just don't scrutinize my actions enough. Usually we do, <laughs> but you know, yeah, right. at times, okay, we need to be woken up to something, but a right. lot of the time it's just hell looking for every little fault that they can criticize. That's so, right, and so having that compassion, realize, hey, life is hard. Yeah. We all go through hard stuff, and sometimes I'm on that seat, and sometimes I'm in this seat. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and that really helps with the, with, with the compassion, doesn't it? Yeah, it right, right. It doesn't mean... Helps if, get away from the judgmental If thoughts. I'm in this seat, doesn't mean I'm better. It just means I'm in this seat. This time. So, right. yeah, let's, let's just quick try to wrap this up. I mean, what, what do you feel like with this whole thing? We've mm. had tons of... What's the takeaway? You know, what, what, uh, what can we get from this? What's your 10,000-foot view of the whole thing? I guess what comes to mind is that it is really, really difficult. Sometimes it'll take all our living strength especially if it goes on for a while to try to keep looking to the good in some undif difficult, unfortunate situation yeah. you have with, with a loved one or somebody you're caring for the elderly, whatever it might be. And, uh, but it's so worth it. It's so godly. It's so angelic. Yeah. Like to fight that good fight and get to the point of having that compassion instead of the easy way that Ham takes. It's kind of fun. But you don't get anything out of it. It's yeah. kind of a curse. I am excited by the idea, just thinking about it now, that every judgmental thought that I have is an opportunity to move away from oh, hell. Oh, that's awesome. Because you're just so used to those things come in, and yeah, they can sit right here, and we can look at the world together. <laughs> that any time when one of those comes in, and I say, even if that person does, ha they, they did put their shirt on backwards and don't realize it, noticing that and criticizing them internally or externally is not is something that I don't do on principle. 
Right. That's cool. That suddenly got a million more opportunities yeah, to, a lot to, opportunities to push out hell. In right? an average day. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so right. That's, it's a blessing. That's, uh, that's a takeaway. And now we want to do something completely different. And uh, maybe you'll have an opportunity in your head to criticize us as we scramble to answer your elevator pitch topics. So here we go. Okay, the game goes like this. Oh, we, we didn't decide who goes yeah, first. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, who do you want to, do you want to uh, go first or do you want me to go first? Oh, I'll go first. Okay, again. great, great. So Dr. Jonathan Rose will begin our game for us. The scenario is we've both stepped onto an elevator. I ask him whatever to about whatever topic you guys have got in the chat that we haven't seen yet. And he has one minute to explain what it is and why it's important. And the reason we play this game is one, it's fun, but two, uh, is it fun? <laughs> Two <laughs> is probably fun to watch. <laughs> if the ideas, uh, t t if the ideas are are really representative of of some kind of reality, it should be explainable quickly. And you all may be in a situation, and we may be in a situation where we have to explain what could be a really important concept uh, to somebody that doesn't have any background on it. It's good to get in that practice and and whatever. Well, you know, it always makes me tremble a little, but actually, it does help you to get quickly in touch with. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a great kind of question, actually. Okay. And so I, I, I end up enjoying these parts, even though it's always a little So stressful. without further ado, it's time for our... And the first topic oh. that you have all chosen I have not for Dr. This. Jonathan Rose is the following. Never before seen. Money. Money. Oh, oh man. Oh, 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 oh. Think okay. of the payoff of answering money, this money, one money. right. Okay. Okay. So if I get this one right. So I, we've stepped into an elevator, and I'm going to say to you, hey, you're Dr. Jonathan Rose from that show. Um, and I want to know, what does Swedenborg say about money? Is it good or bad, or what's going on with that? Mm. All right. And go. Gosh, the whole topic of money is so important. And you know there's that biblical thing that says the love of money is the root of all evil or something like that. And so it can... it. it there was monastic traditions where they said you shouldn't have money, have this vow of poverty. That's more holy to not have anything. Swedenborg's take is interesting because he says that, first of all, your attitude toward your money is what makes a difference. If it's the most important thing to you and you'd rather kill people or damage them or rob them or something to get your money, things are in the wrong place. And that's a curse for you. That money will be a curse for you. But if your heart is in the right place and you have compassion and it slots under your love of God and your love of the neighbor, uh, it's a real blessing. It can actually be a blessing. He describes heaven as place of great, wonderful wealth. And uh, um, so wealth can be a very important way. People who don't have anything can't be as charitable as people who have s some wealth. Well, I think that I'm gonna go for wealth then. Just kidding. I, so <laughs> I love it. So the, that's why we're on the 44th yeah, floor. That, so, you know, that's right. This is where the executive offices are. So you're telling me that it's almost like your motive behind it that matters more than <laughs> the distribution of it. I, I know it's a shocking idea, isn't it? But the sheer thing itself—it's so typical yeah. of Swedenborg that it's just neutral in and of yeah. itself. Right. You know, can be a blessing, can be a curse. And different for different people, he says. Yeah, and and I love you're sort of uh, get, getting to the edge of where he describes in Divine Providence that you know you may be saying I, I want more money. Of course, everyone says that. Oh uh, yes, right. But you don't know. Only God knows. Is that actually going to be a blessing or a curse? 
That's for right. you because money can be very spiritually damaging mm. because it lends itself to love yourself and love the world. Um, but at the same time, can accomplish good if you've got the right mindset. But th- I think it all comes down to, it's not that God is sitting there like, okay, now nah, you can't quite handle it, I'm not giving you money. But he describes people in the stream of providence and says, you know, if, if they're raised to high positions, they don't believe that they're more worthy than other people. If they're cast down, they don't think they're less worthy than other people, but trust that God will bring all things to a good end in the spiritual world. That's right, and he's well put. And, and he says that the um, angels have the view that it's either losing or not getting something that wouldn't have been good for them anyway. Yes. Right, That's right, their right. attitude, and I try to aspire that, but it's hard to do sometimes when yeah. you had your heart set on something and then yeah. it doesn't materialize. Anymore. And it's not to say, and we, I guess we could go on about this forever, it's not to say, I mean, there, there's times like below a certain threshold when you're not getting the necessities of life. Oh my goodness. It's, I think that's a different life question. Life gets severely yeah, difficult. Th- that we're not there. saying like, ah, oh, you can't and feed your, you can't heat your house and feed your family, just trust in the Lord. We're not saying that. Yeah, and, and Swedenborg's a big fan of, um, he says you're not obligated to do it, it's just a yeah. free will offering of your heart, but actual charitable giving, what yeah. they call charitable giving, right. is a very good good thing, you know, for a free will offering from yeah. your heart to help people because there's people who struggle with poverty yeah. or don't have food or whatever, you know, yeah. people in all kinds of miserable situations. And right. You know, yeah, and so he's all he's not just saying, Oh, keep your money for yourself because and because money means different things. It's like at a certain income level, money is a difference between like leisure and not leisure, but at the other times, it's food or not food, those are very different things. So, I think you'd have different discussions around those things spiritually, anyway. Great elevator pitch. Sorry, I gotta go go to my uh, go out the door here before it closes. All right, so that was one. (laughs) Thank you for that. Let's uh, let's flip it, let's see what uh, what is Curtis going to talk about. Uh, in the elevator pitch. The divine design. Mm. Okay, okay, I love the divine design. All right. But I don't know anything about it. We're ready, okay, do the countdown, quick, before I think of something. (laughs) The divine design is this phenomenal idea that everything in reality is either in order or out of order. That there is a, God can almost see the blueprint for how everything needs to be and can tell. Just like a sort of a master craftsperson could look at a watch and know mm. like this gear is just slightly out of order, which is not that the gear can't be there, but if everything is in place, then the hand turns, then you can tell time. Mm. So it is with everything that Swedenborg describes God's divine providence as being able to keep things in the divine design, and when things are out, it is constantly working to bring them back into the divine design. I've heard the divine design described a lot of different ways. So sometimes Swedenborg talks about it, as we had in a recent episode of News from Heaven, as being acknowledging God, or resulting safety from hell, and then working from our own power to fight against hell there. That's one side of it. He's talked about mm. heaven being the human form, being the divine design. There's so many instances of it, but it's really God knowing what to do with life. God. <laughs> that last word didn't count. That was before, that was before the doors opened. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. It counts. There's the people standing outside the elevator. What are you talking about? <laughs> what? <laughs> cool. All right, good. Divine design. Is there so much to I don't really know. Not, oh, yeah. that was awesome. That was yeah. re- you, had, you had ready definition. <laughs> Doing news from heaven has really blessed you. It's an unfair advantage. Um, so, but that, just, it, yeah. It's such a beautiful idea, and I love what you said about it, because it's true. You see that, when, and design and order are related words in the way that Swedenborg talks about them and the Latin root underneath them. And when you see a machine and it says, out of order, you know, uh, it doesn't mean morally reprehensible or something. 
it just means bro does not work right now because the thing isn't reaching the thing to push the candy bar out or something, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And um, the idea of a living fluid design and that you can get more into that, you know, that we, we have a way of being more in that design or working with it or against it. And we'll still be in it, but you can collaborate with it and get good results by yeah. sort of aligning with that divine design, understanding what that is. Oh, I man. thought that was very good. Oh, thanks. I, 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 would, I would buy the divine design <laughs> on that. On that I place. would, if I could have anything, one If I wish, had enough money, I would. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, if I had the money for anything, <laughs> I would wanna know, like, okay, what's, what, what am I doing that's inside and outside, and what do you, yeah. how, I love the idea, and some people might not, but I love the idea of, oh wait, should I do this or this? Which one do you want me to do? I, right. There was a time in my life when I would have been like, don't, I don't want anyone to tell me to do yeah, anything. But I'm now I love the idea of, okay, go, divine life coach, what's, what's mm. the best thing to do? So mm. anyway, okay, thanks so much, everybody, for getting us those Good questions. topics. It's true. After the, after the, before the elevator pitch, I'm always like, oh, do we have to do this again? After, I'm like, okay, we can do it again next time. <laughs> so now let's see what you all had to say when you were asked a question. It's time mm. for the ice melter. Okay, this is, a, this is a time. Yeah, we'll go back and forth. Great. That's what we were sorting out just then. Um, I'll, I'll do the first one, you do the second one. Okay. The, we had this question we asked the audience, which was you, and it's when harsh judgmental thoughts pop into the mind, what can, it, what can help to diffuse them? Mm. So we're gonna see what your responses were in the chat. If you're watching in post, you know, after this whole thing's over, still you can answer it in the comments. We'd love to see what is the we read all the comments. And yeah, the comments rock. Well, we've great. got people pouring over those things because if that's you take right. the time to write, we don't want to leave you hanging. That's right. So let's see what people had to say here. Jesus. Nice. <laughs> that's what can help out. I like that one word answer. Remember the mistakes I've made and how I needed mercy, compassion, and love. Mm. I asked myself how I would react if the person did just the opposite and realize I would probably find a reason to object <laughs> to that too. That's brilliant. Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> Only love, man. Nobody should be superior. Mm. I always feel guilty afterwards. Normally to diffuse my thoughts, I, go, I do meditation or go out for a walk. Nice. First realize it's part of the purging process and don't internalize it or condemn yourself. Right. Right. That's good. Why add another judgment? Yeah. I tell myself that God loves them no less than he loves me if I start to judge someone. I, that's a really good one. I they're think. they're I as much the center of the universe as we are. Yeah, that's right. The Lord loves them. Sometimes I think of when I did something dumb when I was in a similar situation. <laughs> yeah, that helps, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> I dismiss them knowing they come from evil spirits and tell myself to be kind and loving no matter what all people, no matter what, all people deserve love. Well, that's that crucial distinction that this is not from me. That's the Swedenborgian crowbar that can pry you out from under that. That's right. I try to accentuate positive thoughts. I try to place the idea, then I am thinking of better times ahead. Mm. Nice. I take a deep breath, pause, and take time to respond instead of just reacting. That's the time, not the yep. first thought. That's nice. I try to put myself in the other person's shoes and tell myself they are on a path of their own and I couldn't possibly know how hard that path has been. I like that one too. Yep. Yeah, you don't know what that person's going through. That's right. They may be doing amazing based on what yeah, they're carrying. That's right. Love God by meditating on his attributes instead of ruminating on the offender and offense. Awesome. Mm, his attributes. A I angels like that. always focus on the Lord. Mm. 
I stop, breathe, and remind myself that there have been plenty of times I too have been stupid. <laughs> Amen. Thanks to Swedenborg and you guys, I just tell myself, these aren't my thoughts, and I don't really feel that way. Rock on. So that's really good. There but for the grace of God go I, or one of my favorite quotes from the movie Groundhog Day, <laughs> well, I, I am a jerk. In other <laughs> words, our lower selves are all jerks, so be kind. I'm a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, right. It has helped me to try to think of where other people are coming from instead of making snap judgments. Mm. Just going to think, oh, they might be a person with a perspective often diffuses that. Yeah. I think of everything I've learned from Swedenborg's teachings and think we are all angels in training, learning to love, mm. that very often halts the harsh judgmental thoughts. We're all angels in training. And if Swedenborg mm. material is doing that, that's exactly why we mm. make this show in the first place. Thank you, everybody. It's just cool to think of, let's get together and talk about ideas that lead to that kind of forgiveness in real life situations. That's the point. Yeah. That's, That's why the we point. do the show. That's it. Cool. So thank you so much, everyone, for, for that participation. Um, mm. And so Wonderful. if you're enjoying this, if you like that sort of impact, please like and subscribe. That means a lot to this show and this channel. And what we're going to do now is we are a nonprofit organization, so we can only make this program in because people like you have reached out and helped to make it possible. Here's yeah. a quick one-minute clip about how you can support us make this kind of programming happen. And then we're going to come back and give you a sneak preview mm. of what's to come over the next week. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we share all the content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. You can go to otle.causevox.com and follow the prompts to give a one-time or recurring donation. We'd be honored to have you become part of our growing community of supporters who help these ideas reach and nourish thousands of people every week around the globe. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. Lots to come, lots ahead in this coming week. We've got, uh, let's just lay it all out for all the people. Okay. We've got our News from Heaven show on Thursday. We're going to talk about how to win spiritual warfare. Wow, is that important? And then on Saturday, why desire is important and mm. how it could be sort of your destiny. And then we've got our short clip series. So you may or may not know, if you go to the community tab on our channel, we have these polls. It's too small for you to read. Go to the community tab, you'll see it. But every week we take your votes. And this time, angel visitations and animals took home the highest number of votes. So we have two clips having to do with that. On Wednesday, we'll talk about an or show an angel visiting a grieving father. Mm. And then Friday, the spiritual representation of birds and if that weren't that enough. That is not all. Yeah, next Monday, we've got our show Good Question, where we spend a whole hour with a panel of awesome people talking to you and hearing what's on your mind, answering every question we can possibly try to answer that you send at us. That's live. And then we'll give you even more than the week in the future. The following Monday, we have How to Change Your Spirit Connections, a Swedenborgian life presentation. Mm, one so. of those highly wrought, uh, pre-recorded right. shows. That's that right. Our narrative deep dive. Yeah, so, right. we hope to see you there in every single video, or at least one of them, <laughs> or at least something. <laughs> Don't leave us now. Thanks, everyone, for Thanks, watching. Everybody. Thank you, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Uh, it's great been fun, great. Curtis. And I uh, hope you all have a great night. 
Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. Thank you.